Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 46 through 50. While he was still speaking to, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Grace, and we're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. As we begin, my apologies that you had to watch me on video for six minutes and now listen to me for 30. The only person that seems to be happy about that was Elias that was in the third row, that every time my face popped on screen, he laughed. So this is going to be an enjoyable morning for him. But seriously, we are so glad that you are here as we continue through this journey. We are going through the scriptures and taking a look at these narratives of the life of Jesus. And in so doing, we are searching for answers. And we believe that you can find answers in an encounter with Jesus. So we are taking a look at real individuals, real historical people, and their encounters with Jesus. And our hope, our prayer even, is that you would also have an encounter with Jesus. What was your family of origin like? The house you grew up in? What were the traditions that you held, the things that you look back and remember, especially around the holidays? Probably memories come to mind. What explicitly did you learn in your home and what implicitly did you learn? You know, the the tone of your home, the rhythm of the home that you grew up in. All of us even subtly learn things from our family of origin. No matter what your family of origin was like, Jesus has something to say to us today. And there's actually a question that he is going to answer for each of us. And the question that we are going to ask and that Jesus is going to answer is, where do I belong? Where do I belong? Our prayer is that you would find this morning that there is one true place for you to belong, and that's in the family of God. We all desire this sense of belonging, even if you are in a counter-cultural environment or you belong to a group that is anti-establishment, you have joined a group of people. You have been looking for a sense of belonging. We all want to identify with something. We all want to belong to a group. And our prayer, our belief is that that sense of belonging can ultimately only be found in the family of God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to hear from you this morning. Father, thank you that you have not remained silent, but you have spoken through your word and through your spirit and through your people. Father, we ask that you would speak to each one here this morning and that they would hear exactly what you need them to hear. God, whatever sense of family we come from, whatever sense of belonging or identity we have to this point, God, we pray that we would find hope and belonging in our identity in the family of God. God, I pray that you would heal hurts here this morning. I pray that you would give hope here this morning. God, what I am praying for this morning cannot be accomplished by human words. 
They can only be accomplished by you, Father. So I would ask that you would speak. Pray that your spirit would say what your spirit wants to say to each of us. And God, I even pray that you would show us the places we have found our belonging or our identity. If they are not built on you, Jesus, they will fall apart and crumble. God, we ask you to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you haven't already, please turn to Matthew 12. It will also be up on the screen. We see in this passage that Jesus is teaching a group of people, and his mother and brothers would like to speak with him. And in fact, someone comes to him and says, your mother and your brothers would like to speak to you. And he points to the people he is teaching, the people he is not biologically related to, and says, this is my mother and my brothers and my sisters. And my brothers and my sisters are those that do the will of God, those that obey the Father. He is saying something here about our sense of belonging. He is saying something here about the biological family. And this encounter with Jesus, his disciples and his biological family has something to show us about where we truly belong this morning. And before we get into all the nuts and bolts of what Jesus is trying to say here and a picture of what this family of God that Jesus is referring to looks like, we need to first understand a few things about what Jesus is and is not saying in this passage of scripture. So a few things by word of preamble here. When I first came across this passage um, and some commentary on it, it was very confusing. Because what I knew of the Bible and what I knew of Jesus and what I knew of my church history was that the biological family is very important. But it seems here that Jesus is saying something about his biological family or that he's doing something even disrespectful or dishonoring to his family and in particular his mother. But we can know from the full counsel of scripture that one thing that Jesus does not mean is that he is not demeaning the family. What is Jesus saying here? He is not demeaning the family. We can know this from the testimony of scripture. We can know this in three chapters ahead. If we fast forward in the book of Matthew to Matthew 15, Jesus actually utters the words that you have probably heard before. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He quotes Isaiah, but he is speaking to the Pharisees. And he says the Pharisees have so closely tried to follow what they think God's law is, and they have so added to God's law that they are honoring God with their lips, but their hearts are far from the heart of God. And he says it's because they're instructing people to follow the minute details of the law, but not honor their father and mother. He says, don't you know that God's word says, honor your father and your mother? We know that Jesus is not demeaning or belittling the biological family because one of his last instructions to his disciples is from the cross, where he tells his disciples to take care of his mother as he is dying on the cross. So we know that the biological family is important to Jesus. He is not demeaning the biological family. So what is he talking about? Ultimately here, he is talking about the cost of discipleship the costs of discipleship. In Matthew 16, Jesus, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is saying in order to find true life, in order to find a true sense of belonging, we have to lay behind those other things that we have found our identity 
or our belonging in those other foundations that we have built our life upon. Jesus is saying a number of things here, and this applies to the family in a number of ways, but a couple things by way of introduction here. First, Jesus is saying that in order to really find belonging and find true life in him, there are some things we've built our life on that we need to set aside. Because there are things that we have built our life on that cannot bear the weight of all of our identity, all of our sense of belonging, all of our purpose, even the biological family, even good things that God has given us like careers and family and spouses and kids and church. These are good things, but they cannot bear the weight of all of our belonging, all of our identity. And so they need to be put aside. Another thing that Jesus is saying is we ultimately cannot be filled with the things of the spirit and the things of God if we're filled up with all kinds of other things. Our priority can and should be him. And when we lose our life, lose those things for his sake, we'll find true life. As we follow Jesus, as we become his disciple, as he sends his spirit, we will experience the true belonging the true peace, the true joy, the true purpose that we have been looking for all along. All other foundations are just sinking sand. Jesus is also talking about here the very real reality that sometimes following him costs us earthly things. There are things that we have to leave. There are things that we have to set aside, other affections that we have to deny in order to follow Jesus. It could be simple things like material possessions or it could be relationships. It could be even leaving father and mother in order to follow Jesus. For many, many people in our world today, it is a reality that in order to follow Jesus, they may have to leave their family of origin, or they may be cast out of their family of origin once they utter the name of Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, I met a sister after the service who shared her testimony with me that many years ago, she left her town, her country, her family, and everything because everyone turned against her because she started following Jesus. But with tears in her eyes, she also said that it was worth everything. For some, it is a reality that they will have to leave everything. And for all of us, it will cost us something in order to follow Jesus. A third thing Jesus is saying to us, and we'll really spend the rest of our time talking about this this morning, is that he is making a new family. Jesus is making a new family as he points to those he is teaching that he is not biologically related to. He says, this is my brother. This is my sister. This is my family. It's those who hear the word of God and do it. Not those who honor me with their lips, but their actions show they are far from my heart and far from me. But those who do the will of the father, those who live for the kingdom, those are my family. Jesus is making a new family. And this family, this spiritual family will give us stronger ties with our family in Christ than any other tie that binds. The reality here is that Jesus is saying that if you are in Christ, 
If he has forgiven you of your sins, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have something more in common with the other disciples in this room than you do your own biological family. Jesus is making a new family. Before we talk about what this family looks like, we need to talk about why we need a new family. The first reason is that we live in an individualistic culture. We live in a culture that is more and more about the I, the me, where everything is personalized around our tastes, that is personalized around our lives, the way we want things to be. I have an iPhone like one billion of my closest friends in the world, but I can make my iPhone my phone the way I want it to be, customized in every single way. We are customizing our diets. We are customizing our entertainment. We are customizing our news. We are customizing all kinds of things that is making our lives more and more about us. And it feeds the flesh. Author Paul Tripp said that sin shrinks the world down to our own man-made kingdoms with tight walls where no one else can get in. Some of you may hear that and think, perfect. That's exactly how I want it to be. Walls around me and no one else can get in. The problem with that is two things. One, when our lives are all about us and no one else can get in, God can't get in. We have shut him out. We can't hear his voice. If his agenda doesn't match our agenda, if his kingdom doesn't look like our kingdom, then we shut him out. The second problem is we can't be connected to anyone else if we are further and further making our life about us and what's comfortable for us. According to Ephesians 4, we are supposed to be growing together with others up more and more into who Christ is. And when we do this, the family of God, there's three things that are true about us as we grow up together into Christ. Our theology gets stronger, our community gets stronger and better, and we have more of a kingdom view for the world. As we together, people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people worship God together and grow more and more up into the fullness of who Jesus is. Our lives start to become about him instead of about us. And because he cares for others, we start caring for others because we don't belong just to ourselves, but we belong to him and his people. Why do we need a new family? Because of our earthly family. Because of our earthly family. I don't know what your family of origin was like, the household that you grew up in, but no matter how good or difficult or wherever on that spectrum it is, there's some hard and there's some good. There's some things that pointed us more to Jesus in the kingdom of God. There's some things that pointed us away. There's some things that helped. There's some things that hurt. We're all a mixed bag. Maybe you grew up in a family where when you hear the word heavenly father, you think of your earthly dad and you know a lot about who God is. Or maybe you hear that God is your heavenly father and you just laugh. You're like, I don't want any part of another father. I've already done that once. 
It didn't go so well. Maybe your family experience was great. Maybe it was not so great. Maybe parts of your family were just non-existent. Or like most of us, like me, it's a little bit of all of it. It's a mixed bag of difficult things, hurtful things, healing things, Jesus things, man-made things. We're coming up on the holidays, which means lots and lots of time with family. There's some good in that, and there's some difficult in that, no matter what our family is like. We're about to sit at big family gatherings, maybe for the first time in a couple of years. And if your family is like my family, you have extra grace-required people in your family. And you know the old adage, if you can't think of who it is, it's you. (laughs) All of our families, there's brokenness, there's sin, there's dysfunction. All on a spectrum to varying degrees, but we need a new family. We need a new family to show us God's love and mercy and God's kingdom, no matter what our family of origin was like. Why do we need a new family? We need a real place to belong. Our world offers us no sense of true belonging. Yet those in and outside of the church alike have built our identity and our sense of belonging on so many things besides Jesus. We have built our identity on politics and how we vote. We have built our identity on our sexuality. We have built our identity off of our personal likes and dislikes. And we have tried to find a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, a sense of identity, and things that cannot bear that weight. And in the end, do not hold up when the going gets tough. I found a sense of place, a sense of belonging over the last two years of difficulty in our world. And I found it in a podcast that talked about movies. It was nerds talking about movies like me. I like to talk about movies. And this group of people on this podcast talk about movies. And over the last couple of years, I got through because of Jesus and this podcast. Every week there's a new episode and I can nerd out about movies and I can talk to people or hear people talk to me. I don't get to talk to them. Sometimes I talk to them, but get to just speak this language, this movie language. I've picked up on their inside jokes. I've picked up their rhythm of speech. I can laugh at the things they laugh out. I can talk about and think about movies the way that they can. And it was really fun to have this podcast, but you know what? It didn't do anything for my soul. And it wasn't really there when times were tough. And they weren't really there to dialogue with me, give me a hug, have a real conversation. We have found our identity, our sense of belonging in things that can't bear the weight. They can't give us those things. We think in them we find life. But in the end, we lose our life. One of the biggest problems that the church has run into in the last two years, and I mean big C church, not just this church, but the church at large. One of the biggest problems we have run into is people finding their identity in things other than Jesus. And then 
fighting about them within the church because we have placed our identity and our sense of belonging in all these other things except for Jesus. And those other things can't hold us together. The way we vote can't hold us together. Our musical preferences can't hold us together. Our socioeconomic status cannot hold us together. We do not find a real place of belonging anywhere but in Jesus. So we'll spend the rest of our time this morning taking a look at this new family. Who is this new family that Jesus offers us? First, it is those that are redeemed by Jesus. It is not just people that gather in the same room every Sunday morning. It is not those that say they are Christians. It is not people that honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. It is those that have been redeemed by Jesus. Tim Keller calls the gospel and the gospel community the most exclusive, inclusive group in the world. What he means is you can only get in because of Jesus, but anyone can get in because of Jesus. It's because of what Jesus has done. He is the one that earns our seat at the table. Jesus is the one that pays our way. Jesus is the one who becomes the one that we inherit all things from. It's Jesus' qualifications that get us into the family of God. So what holds us together is Jesus. All other things are shaky ground at best to either find our personal sense of belonging or to hold us as a church together. Nothing else can do it. Nothing else can bear that weight. We've learned that in the last two years. There's almost nothing else we can agree on but Jesus. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So who is in the family of God? It's those redeemed by Jesus. And we are, when we are redeemed by Jesus, he does a work in us and he makes us his disciples. Matthew 19, it's up on the screen. Then Peter responded to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? Peter, always good about saying what we're all thinking. Jesus, what's in it for me? We've left everything. We've done what you told us to do. What's in it for us? Verse 28, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. The family of God is made up of people that have left everything aside in order to follow Jesus. It's a group of people that has found Jesus more valuable than anything else and are willing to follow him at any cost. That's the family of God. That's what holds us together. And that's how we belong. His family is made up of those redeemed by Jesus. His family is made up of his disciples. And disciples obey God. So the family of God obeys God together. Look at these two parallel passages, one from our scripture this morning and one a parallel account in Luke. Matthew twelve fifty. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. 
Luke 8:21, but he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The family of God is people that obey God together. They are striving to obey their heavenly father in order to live out the ways of Jesus that are striving to live for the principles of the kingdom. They are not in it for themselves, but they're in it to obey and honor God with their actions. The family of God is not just a group of people that meet in the same building once in a while. It's a group of people obeying God together. And a group of people obeying God together looks like the letters of the New Testament. When we look at the letters of the New Testament, as you open up the New Testament, you see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four books that are the Gospels. They describe what Jesus has done. They describe his birth, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. Then we get the book of Acts. That is the story of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit falls on the church and the church goes out with the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And then churches are planted in all these areas to the ends of the earth. And the rest of the New Testament is letters written by the apostles, by disciples, by Jesus's very family to these different churches scattered all over the world. And those letters are describing for the family of God what it looks like to obey God in light of the gospel. So as we open up the word, as we open up these New Testament letters, as we study Philippians this winter as a church, we see what the family of God looks like. And it looks like people obeying God together together, not living for themselves, living with a new commanding officer, living with a new family head, living with a new identity, a new sense of belonging, a new cornerstone, a new foundation for their lives. It looks like people obeying God together. There are a number of New Testament passages that I could have chosen in order to illustrate this. We'll turn to one of my favorites, Ephesians chapter 4. If you would turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Four, one. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. Doesn't that sound great? Imagine your Thanksgiving dinner table if everyone did this. Imagine your community group if everyone did this. Imagine this church if we all did this. And imagine our world if Christians lived this way. With humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So how are we going to do it? Verse 4. There is one body. There is one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope. 
that belongs to your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One. We have one God and one heavenly Father and one Savior, and he sent one Spirit to live inside of all of us. And we are all baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus together. And that holds us together. Nothing else can. But that holds us together and then enables us to have the fruits of the Spirit. And enables us to obey God. Empowers us to serve one another because we have been greatly served. The family of God looks like people empowered by the Spirit, forgiven by Jesus, loving one another for Jesus' sake. And that kind of love, that sense of connectedness is nothing the world has ever seen. No matter how great their biological family was or how awesome their sports team was, they have never experienced anything like what this passage is describing. But unfortunately, some of us haven't either. But as we remember that we have one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, and we remember his spirit is in us, we can experience this sense of belonging and we can also provide it for others. quick diagram to show how this takes place. We're redeemed. We're made his disciples. We live a life of obedience and then we live in gospel community together. Don't see this as a step-by-step process that takes years. Unfortunately, that's far too often our experience. This is something that is happening as we believe the gospel. The spirit enters us. We live in biblical community. Look at the book of Acts. This is happening on a daily basis. People are giving their life to Christ and following him, obeying him, and forming these gospel communities that the world looks at and says, I want what they've got. Ultimately, the family of God has Christ as the head. Christ as the head of the family. In God's family, we have a new leader, a new father, a new older brother, according to Romans 8, and it's Jesus. And through Jesus, we can be made right with God. From our earthly forefathers, whether we go back one generation or a hundred generations, we have inherited the flesh, a body of death, a body of sin, a lifestyle of rebellion. But because of what Christ has done, taking our place on the cross, we now can inherit life. We now can have the inheritance that belongs to Jesus. And do you know what Jesus has? Everything. And in Christ, we can experience all of who God is. All of the belonging that's found in the Trinity can be offered to us. We can experience the good news of belonging to God and belonging to one another because of what Jesus has done. You don't earn your way into this family or this sense of belonging. It is a gift of God through the work of Jesus And our prayer for you today is that you would join God's family. I'm not talking about membership of this church. That might be a fruit that comes down the road. But first, we would ask that you would consider joining the family of God. 
Jesus has already paid your way in. Jesus offers you a great inheritance and a new family. Join God's family today. You can do that just right where you are right now as I pray. But we would love for you to let us know so that we can come alongside of you and help you see what it looks like to join this family. You've got a card on the seat back in front of you that you can fill out indicating you want to make that decision today or that you have questions. And we would be happy to answer them. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this opportunity to hear from you. God, I pray that you would just continue to speak. You would continue to say what you need to say to each one of us as we go out from here today. God, heal where healing is needed. Encourage where courage is needed. God, give a sense of belonging that can only be found in you. God, we would even pray that the other places we have tried to find belonging would continue to disappoint so that we would see that our hope, our belonging can only be found in you. Thank you, God, that you've spoken this morning and we pray that you would continue to speak through your spirit, through your word, through this, your people throughout this day. In Jesus' name, amen.